Thank you for joining us on the Leader Brew podcast. We are on an adventure to explore inspirational leadership stories from the classroom to the real world. In every episode, we'll bring new perspectives and fresh approaches to solving some of today's most complex global leadership problems. We hope you enjoy listening and gaining valuable leadership insights. Now it is my pleasure to introduce you to today's host, Dr. Rick Erwin. Hello, and thank you once again for joining us on another episode of the Leader Brew Podcast. I am Rick Arrowwood, and I'm your host for today. And on this podcast, we go back and visit our former students and learn about their journeys from the classroom to the real world. And today I am joined by Peter Cameron, who was a student back in 2012 in our master's program. And I had the pleasure of meeting him in Australia. And also you are reaching us from Australia today. So welcome, Peter. Thanks, Rick. Really looking forward to having a chat. This is good. It's so fun to actually see you in person, of course. I follow you on Facebook, so I do get to keep up with the with the happenings here and there. And it's always it's just always such a pleasure to reconnect with students. Of course, in person would be even better. I am uh, hoping for a reunion as early as June of next year. So this is this is our plan. So maybe we can be in person with any luck. So tell us how how life is going, where where you're at, and then we'll talk about the classroom experiences. Yeah, no problem, Rick. So uh, I guess was very fortunate to um, have a little child, little Hugh, uh, about six months ago. So that's been my world for the last you know six or so months, um, which has been really really exciting. In terms of in terms of work, currently a product owner working at Vanguard here in Melbourne, which was a position I actually started uh, when I moved to London after my studies. Been fortunate to transfer back with them, so really enjoying that that work and the transition into uh, to parenthood, which has um, certainly been more of a, a challenge than I've faced uh, anywhere else in my life thus far. I, you know, I love it. One of the things I I really do enjoy as a faculty person is. You know, I get to to be involved in students' lives when they're in that university setting. And then to see them grow, get married, find significant partners, have children, you know, move to other countries. Honestly, it's it it makes me feel like I'm still part of their lives, which I think is is really cool. And I remember meeting your father at one of our pinning ceremonies uh, at alumni receptions. And you know, so so I get a chance to to meet the family as well. I was on a call with a student the other day and she's in London and I said listen I I need to come visit and she's like my mom will definitely welcome you with open arms I said okay fine at least I have a place to stay so this is good (laughs) yeah and I saw you did did you recently do a was it a a tour of a factory or something possibly in Asia or something recently as well Rick one of the episodes coming up will be with a, a student, um, Fazil Tariq Mughal. And so Fazil, I don't know, um, actually, he, he would have been around the time you were in the program uh, from Pakistan. And his family owns one of the largest steel production uh, manufacturing companies. And so as part of my trip to the University of Central Punjab in Lahore, of course, I had to make sure that I set aside time to meet Fazil and his family and also tour this this gigantic steel production plant, uh, which I will say was a challenge because not only was it hot and humid, 
But then when you go inside the plant, it's even more hot and humid. But, you know, you come out and you have you have a great time. So, yeah, that's one of our upcoming episodes. And you know me, I love I love my travel. So tell me, you you went from Australia to London for a brief time. So what was that excursion like? Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And it actually um, it came back. We did a we did an assignment actually from uh, one of our subjects called the the strategic leader. Uh, it was called uh, leadership of a performing art, and I um I find it quite humorous to sort of look back on now. But we sort of said, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And I think at the time that was around the 2020 mark, and I sort of had sort of two sort of paths because you know I was working in financial advice and it was quite a small business and the opportunity to take on equity in that business was sort of coming up which was you know a, an option but at the same time for me it kind of felt like that was sort of locking me in and sort of staying in that sort of area and if I did that I'd probably be there for the next sort of 20 30 years of my life the other option was the the far more exciting option probably the higher risk option where I'd always been keen to work in one of the major financial hubs uh, be that New York or London being you know from Australia we're Obviously, obviously, part of the Commonwealth to get a visa in uh, in London or the UK is much easier. So, bit the bullet, resigned from my role and, and moved across to London. No job, moved with my partner. Had a mate that lived in Notting Hill, and just so happened to um, be able to stay in a room that I would say would probably match that of you know Harry Potter's under staircase type uh, setup. But um, was fortunate there to, to land a, a role with Vanguard, which was, you know, it's one of the largest finance, financial institutions in the, in the world and was able to move around there very quickly and have a number of roles. One of the benefits, obviously, of the location of London in comparison to Melbourne is, you know, you can knock off on a Friday afternoon and, and find yourself in, you know, Spain or Italy or something for the weekend. So for the two years that we were there, we certainly, um, you know, took advantage of that and uh, made the most of those trips and also just the, the diversity of, of, of that country and that nation. So, you know, Melbourne has always had a reputation of being, you know, like a, a quite a big mix of, of different cultures and those sort of things. And, and, and I truly believe that at the time. But you go to a place, uh, and it's probably similar, similar in Boston potentially or New York, but London just is an absolute mix of, of different cultures and people and foods and, and different festivals and these sort of things. So we really, really enjoyed our time there. But then I guess, you know, as uh, family commitments and these sort of things come about, you want to be close to your family whilst having a family. So that's when we decided a few years ago to actually move back to Melbourne and start a family. Oh, that's that's fantastic. So tell me, the, the, the folks around you, right, family, close friends, et cetera, what did they think about this when you just said, okay, I'm I'm changing course. I'm I'm out of here. I'm off to another country. You know, what was sort of the, the reaction and, 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 you know, were they, was it a supportive reaction or was it more of a, you know, what are you doing exactly kind of reaction? It's a really good question. So it, it probably depends who or how you ask that question to, to me or to my face. You know, they were very supportive. I'm a very headstrong person, Rick. So I guess if I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, so they knew they probably didn't have much chance of sort of changing my mind or <laughs> making me reflect. But I'm sure something in the back of my mother's head wanted me to sort of, you know, stay on and, you know, probably go down that other path, which was, you know, take on the equity in the business and, you know, something that's a bit more assured, probably something that was going to be more lucrative for me in the short term and those sort of things but it just wasn't quite sort of where I wanted my life to be and what I wanted to do and in hindsight really really glad I sort of made that decision 
another thing more on a personal level but my 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 mother was very very happy that my partner was going with me uh, one of her greatest fears was that i would move across to london fall in love and never come back so she was very happy that i, I took uh I took my, my girlfriend at the time, who is uh, I'm now engaged to, uh, with me because uh, in her mind, that meant that I was coming back. Oh, that's wonderful. So when, when you sort of reflect back on that from a leadership perspective, what do you think it was inside of you that just said, you know, I, I've got to do this? And the inner voice, what was going on? Yeah, and it was more than an inner voice. It was an inner scream, I would say. But um, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I, I can tell the story about it now in reflection, and I can piece everything together. At the time, it was just an itch that I really, really wanted to scratch. It was, you know, our, our CEO Tim Buckley spoke about. You know, he recently went and did a leadership course, and the thing, the first thing that they asked him to do was effectively. I don't know if it was write your your speech at your funeral, but it was effectively, you know, write your write your legacy. What is it that you want people to see when you sort of hang up the boots and, and finish your career? And I wanted I wanted that to show that, you know, I'd really explored these different opportunities. I'd really gone and stretched myself. I'd really made myself as uncomfortable as possible. Because if I didn't, I, I knew that I would look back on that and wish that I had and wish that I'd had all these different experiences and meet all these different people. And I absolutely wouldn't regret it for one second. You know, it's interesting as you're, you're talking and thinking about the your class in particular and the wide variety of students from so many different countries that had come, you know, to Australia to, to study. And, you know, just, I just remember the, 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 the multiculturalism within all of those classes. And, and I kind of think about this in the perspective that, that you uprooted yourself, went to another country and had those emotions and those experiences probably makes you more understanding of that international student experience, right? Because so so many times I think in, in our classrooms, we just assume, oh, well, they all had the confidence to get there and life is fine. I just wonder, did it, did it bring you new perspective when you look back on the classroom, for example? It, it absolutely did. But uh, like, I absolutely take my hat off to, to many of these students that, that, actually do this because I was moving to another country that had, you know, that still speaks the same language. So when you look at what these people are doing, yes, okay, they may learn English from an early age and it may be, you know, second nature to them. But for me to try and articulate myself the way I would like to as best as possible in a different language, a second language, is just absolutely incredible, the amount of work they do. And, and the, the timing at which they did it as well, right? Like, you know, I got to a point where I was quite comfortable and could, you know, uplift my life and actually make that decision myself. However, a lot of these people, you know, the, a lot of these students that came and joined us were sort of, you know, young 20s, mid 20s and these sort of things. So to be able to do that and move to a completely different culture, um, would be incredibly exciting, would be, you know, like there'd be so many things that, that, that were excellent. But I imagine, you know, you'd also have that culture shock as well, right? And you'd have that sort of first realisation that that safety net of, you know, not just mum and dad, but your family and your friends and the comforts and your even your social standing and these sort of things all sort of whittle away when you go to another country and, you know, you're suddenly on the doorstep of completely uh, different opportunities and different people and different things to see and do. And, and those issues, you know, not only just with, you know, international student population, but also with individuals coming from other countries to work for companies, right? So it's also within that. We have on the one hand, let's promote diversity. 
Um, and, and in reality, I just wonder how much time and attention is going to that experience and, and understanding what that individual employee is going through as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, you come in here and, and potentially, you know, you've been supported. So you're obviously trying to do justice to your, your family by making sure that you, you know, you do well in your classes and these sort of things. But at the same time, you know, you're trying to have an experience, you might be working as well, you know, like there's so many different things that are going on. Like, I, I find it incredibly difficult to look after my own self a lot of the time, let alone, you know, my child, plus, you know, everything else that these international students may have had to go through as well. Tell me, in terms of what you learned in the classroom, how easy or difficult or similar or dissimilar has it been in the workplace? Like what sort of things have been barriers? What surprised you the most? Those sort of things. Yeah, I think uh, having done such such a course, which, you know, I, I hold in very high regard, you know, I probably went in a bit overconfident and thought, you know, hey, look, you know, I've done a lot of studies. I've, I've got a lot of work experience. I'm going to be able to come in here. I'm going to be able to hit the ball out of the park. Uh, fact of the matter is, I think, you know, like a very small portion of what you actually learn is from, you know, the educational environment in terms of your overall earnings. Like a large portion of that is on the job learnings. And, you know, I don't want to call it, say, an induction, but it's it's nearly the case. Like it's it's for me, it's what opened my door and allowed me to get into the business that I currently work for. But what you actually learn and what you actually do is, is a large part, I guess, you know, through the people that you work with and the problems that you face and the crisis that you go through. So I, I guess the biggest shock for me was that, you know, I, I figured that once I'd completed these courses, I was on step three or four, when in actual fact, I was probably just at the start of step one. What about in terms of your, you know, leadership and, and where you want to take it. What is that next five years? I won't have you do your whole legacy, but, you know, what, what does that next five years um, look like? Yeah, it's, it's a really key, key question for me and something I actually really, you know, would advocate for people to actually put some time in. Like if we think about, you know, it's very normal for us to do a 60-hour week, but to say to someone, hey, go and put 60 hours into, you know, what's your next five years look at? Like you'd probably get a pretty screwed up face, you know, like it's just really strange. So we just need to obviously make these priorities. About five years ago, I guess I did this on myself and you know, really wanted to lean into that sort of technology side, moving a little bit away from finance and really just more into that intersection between uh, where finance actually meets technology. So I feel like I have sort of completed a lot of those goals and now I'm sort of looking at, hey, what's next? I've moved into uh, a product ownership role. And when you talk about leadership, it's something that I'm finding difficult because what the actual role is now is I work in an agile environment and what that means effectively is we build iteratively. So we, we build something, we release it, we build, we release. And the way in which you work, you know, they strip away the titles, they strip away the leadership itself. And so leadership is still there, it always will be, but it's not uh, the hierarchical structure that we may have been used to in the past. And I'm really enjoying that. Like it's a, it's a good way to empower people. It's a really nice way for us to help people to learn and develop differently. Um, but it's just not necessarily what I've learned. And, you know, Agile and all these things, were, they were in their infancy, I guess, 10 years ago. So these are really shifting the landscape. More so on, the, I guess, the software side of things. But I guess this is also broadening out into the scope into to other areas. 
So in terms of what that looks like for me, um, to be completely honest, I have to put my hand up and say, you know, I need to put that that 60 hours plus in to actually do that work and determine what that looks like. I've definitely taken the foot off the pedal somewhat uh, in terms of career advancement at the moment to focus on sort of the family side of things, which obviously, as you can understand, becomes a priority when that happens. But next sort of steps, so I, I would be looking to, to move into a, a more of a leadership role, head of digital or something like that within the business where I can really enact uh, more change and you know hit that sort of overarching goal that I have of, of really just reducing you know, the cost of financial advice so that more people in Australia can can have access to something like, you know, financial advice at a reasonable price. I'm just kind of thinking in terms of how do you see giving back to the community? I mean, I'm thinking certainly financial literacy, always an important topic, but as you know and I know, not really a major priority in most countries. And so, you know, I just wonder, is that an opportunity to to give back? Absolutely. An area where I've really leaned in, I encourage, you know, everybody as much as possible to get, get involved in, in whatever it is you can. So one of the areas that I'm working in currently within uh, Vanguard is uh, an initiative. It's called WILS, which is an acronym for Women's Initiative for Leadership Success. Uh, and the big reason that I got involved in this was you know, I spoke to a couple of people around, you know, it seems kind of strange for a, you know, a middle-aged white male to be to be getting involved in something like that. But what they were actually looking for themselves was male allyship. So part of the problem was, was that, you know, you've got so many males in positions of power and they didn't have the allies um, there to help them and assist them to put them in those positions so that they could effectively move up. And more like if we dig down on that a, lot, a little bit, it's around you know, parental leave and, you know, when people take time off so that they can look after their children. So uh, excitedly, you know, I'm fortunate that come, you know, our summer, I've got a few months off where I can actually take time away from work and my partner can actually return and be the primary caregiver. So I'm really looking forward to supporting her and ensuring, ensuring that, you know, it's not a pause or a stop, I guess, in, in her leadership development. That will also allow me some some really great time to spend with my son, Hugh, and develop with him at a, a really pivotal age and grow that connection. So that's something I'm, I'm really, really passionate about in terms of, you know, helping out on that side of things. Most recently, we actually, um, a couple of days ago, we had a, a, a ride, a charity ride called Around the Bay. And I'm not sure if you remember the bay here in, in, in Melbourne, Rick. It's, it's not as pretty as some at other parts of the world, but we actually just completed a ride, which is 300 kilometres or uh, what's that, about 190 miles on Sunday. And so if you notice that I will not be standing up um, from this podcast and walking around because my legs are a little bit ginger after uh, completing that, which was a, uh, an initiative set up by the company in order to help the Smith family, which is helping helping young children be able to you know study and support them in their studies at a younger age at the primary school level. You know, that's, that's really wonderful. And I do remember your work with the Smith family. This is, it, it's interesting because thinking about your son, right, it, it does start to shift our priorities and, you know, look at, look at the needs of children going forward. It sounds like you are making sure that you have that, you know, we talk about work-life balance, but I think it's work-life community balance, because I do think that we all have a responsibility 
to help others in, in times of need. And, you know, you figure out what, what that is, that passion and that, that need. And, and you've been raising funds for this Smith Family Foundation for quite some time, if I recall. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, you get to a point, like when we grow up, at least personally, you know, you wait too much towards, I guess, the financial gains and these sort of things. And then you, you know, get to a point, I guess, and you realize that, hey, at the end of the day, this isn't what actually makes me happy. You know, the community part for myself and for many people that they'll probably find, unfortunately, in hindsight, uh, is really where, I guess, you know, the payment comes back to you. That's the really, you know, thing that actually will actually, in the end of the day, mean far more to you than any sort of financial rewards that you get. Obviously, you know, you know, there's a, a mortgage that needs to be paid and food that needs to be put on the table. But when those, once those basic sort of needs are met, it's far more important to develop relationships and, you know, help out your community and, and, and those that unfortunately, you know, need assistance and, and need our help. And when we have the ability to do that, we should be doing so. Look, it sounds like you're you're on the right path, as as you were even ten years ago, right? And probably ten years before that. So, you know, what you're doing, what you're doing is great. As we come to the end of the podcast, one of the questions that we always like to ask is, what would you tell that seven, eight year old, nine year old kid? What what sort of advice would you give? Yeah, it was a piece of advice actually I got from from my careers counselor when I was, was 18. So even, even from seven or eight, it's just literally just follow that passion. You mentioned there, Rick, like work-life balance. Don't even bother with work-life balance. I really think that, you know, if you find that career that, that, that you enjoy, that work-life balance really just takes care of itself. Like I can honestly say that, you know, a normal day for me, I'll get up and go to the gym, I'll come to work doesn't matter when I get here because I'm already getting here far before the time I start because I love what I do. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to love what you do every single day of your life, but really work towards that and don't just get comfortable and, you know, fall into that safety net. Really just make yourself uncomfortable and get yourself to where you want to be because it will make the next 40 or 50 years of your life that much easier. And and, and, and when you have that, it really makes everything work. So, you know, your relationships are more comfortable. Obviously, your mental health is obviously in a better place. Albeit, you know, that, that that's much easier said than done. It's, it's not always an opportunity. So we need to really work hard to make sure that we can move in that direction. You know, that's that's wonderful. It's wonderful insight. And it has been great catching up with you today. And I look forward to making it back to Melbourne well as Sydney as well, because I did enjoy my time in Sydney too. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on the show and I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much for your time, Rick. Really appreciate it. Terrific. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Leader Brew podcast. Please be sure to like, subscribe and share us with others. If you'd like to be a guest or a co-host, please reach out to us at www.theleaderbrew.com or on our social media platforms. Be sure to check out our leadership courses at www.weleapforward.org. A special thanks to audio engineer Jared Zimirowski for making us sound great and to Northeastern University and Swinburne University. From the classroom to the real world, we hope that today's Leaderproof podcast ignited the extraordinary leader within. 